Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. I'm so happy to be doing this painting this week. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so we have uh, Margaret to thank for this, uh, this week's uh, Painting of the Week. So uh, thank you, Margaret. Yeah, well, I love Margaret already. Uh, I... We um we asked um you our faithful and lovely podcast listeners to make some selections not that we were running out but we thought that it would be interesting for you to make some suggestions and also undoubtedly you would suggest paintings that we would never think of and uh, that's absolutely the case here because I would never have thought of this this is um the lady of shallot by uh, William Holman Hunt. And I thoroughly recommend that uh, for those of you who are seated with a phone or a laptop or something, computer, go to the seventh-art.com website and go to the podcast where you can have a look at the painting. And it's, well, Laura, uh, over to uh, you. I could... <laughs> <laughs> We've got the giggles on this one, we really have. Um, well, yesterday... It's colourful. And I just looked at his name, I asked a few people, I said, oh, I'm doing William Holman Hunt this week. No one knew him. I was like, oh, that's handy. No one knows him. And I thought, okay, I'll pop the painting in. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting this. And I was not expecting... Where it took us. I know. Well, isn't that fantastic, though? That that yeah. Because there's always a danger if we're selecting that we're going to yes. select paintings that we know. Yeah. So a Bruegel or a Monet or a Manet or, and um, and in fact, <laughs> we've had a lot of response to this this uh, suggestion. I mean, a lot. And some <laughs> of the paintings are really. Interesting. I'm really panicking. So uh, I'm really panicking. I hope everyone knows. <laughs> the next few months will be in the library. I'm going to have to. Up we're doing my game. it for your benefit, everybody. <laughs> this is uh, we're doing it for you, um, so you don't have to. So, yes. Yeah. Um, we've talked in the past about. Um, I remember you said, "Should we do a painting that we don't? You know, you don't like so much." Yes. And we've struggled a bit because I actually like so much art. But I'll 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 begin this podcast by saying I don't really like this very much. Oh, don't you? No. Okay. But I think okay. you do. I love it. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, that's. I that's... really, <laughs> I really did. When it came up, I was like, oh, mm, this is lovely. Good. I like her. What do you like about the it? colours? A hundred percent the colours, and I love her clothing mm. and her hair. But. <laughs> After doing these podcasts and how you get into a painting, and we've said it before, even with just having an audio tape on going around the museum, you would never possibly be able... You'd be standing there for about two hours after yeah. what is going on in this painting. Well, okay, so first first of all, mm. there's there's a real value and honesty <laughs> in just saying, I like the painting. Mm. Without having to start analysing what are the you know what are those drawings in the background and who's the guy plucking the fruit and yeah. what's the story and why is she entwined in entwine, um, 
that in some 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 senses that's secondary if that first visceral reaction is i like, like it it, it yeah. makes me feel happy and i like the colors and great yeah i mean there's an argument that in some ways what we do by zooming in either actually in a film with a camera or even when we do these podcasts and we identify details you know you can make the argument you're doing a bit of a disservice to the, to a painting which is there to be seen and reacted to as a whole mm. <laughs> i mean this as a whole this is a uh, it's an impressive painting and it's an overwhelming painting for me it it's 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 kind of messy okay and i you know my eye is not i don't really know what to look at and there's obviously so much symbolism and i've got to understand so much now mm-hmm. It has encouraged me. This this would be a painting that in a gallery I would go, that I don't get it, too complicated, and I'd walk past. Oh, so okay. something like this is good because it's made me stop and look at it and a little bit of this period I know about and a little bit I didn't and I looked it up and <laughs> so... And I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> And text to Phil, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and I said, Laura, down to you. Okay, well, we should, maybe we should explain a little yes. bit of this. Well, <laughs> William Holman Hunt. William Holman mm. Hunt is a uh, British artist mm-hmm. and he is what's known as a pre-Raphaelite. So people are always quite keen to group artists together in kind of um, generic names uh, so we talk about Monet, Manet, Renoir being the Impressionists. Now, as we've talked before on the podcast, they were very different personalities. Their art's very different. Some of them didn't like the term. So it's, it's, it's a danger, but sometimes it helps us by having these groups. Pre-Raphaelites, I've always found that a slightly odd name, which they gave themselves. Yeah. Um, and well, it, I really, we were discussing it, me and my husband this morning in bed. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Well, no, that's... It's a bit too much of information, but he's like, well, how can someone be a former pre-Raphaelite brotherhood? So the whole thing was that they, they were looking back to the art that came before Raphael. Yeah. So I guess in particular 13th and 14th century Italy. It needs an art historian with more knowledge than I have to understand <laughs> how that is reflected in this painting. Mm. Because um, I don't quite get it. To me, I mean, I can spot a, often spot a, pre, a pre-Raphaelite painting because of the, the way in which it's painted and the use of colour and the subject matter. And um, but I wouldn't automatically think, oh, that reminds me of 13th century or 14th century Italian painting. Wow. So, but that's that's where the name comes from. This particular painting I do know is um, this one is in. Uh, Connecticut in the Hartford in the Wadsworth Athenaeum, it's called in Hartford, Connecticut. Have there is a. Have you been there? I haven't, but I have mm. been to the Manchester Art Gallery. I ah. love love Manchester. It's yep. a great art gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have a smaller version there, mm. yeah. and uh, which was his preparatory study for this. And <laughs> I mean, there's no way you can do a painting like this without doing a lot of preparatory studies. Um, you're not just going to sit down and start painting mm, a canvas. No. Uh, no, um, and it's called it's called the Lady of Shallot, and um, I guess there are kind of jokes we could say about you know onions. So let's. Well, um, Matt did that straight away. Obviously. Okay, well let's unpeel this. Paint. Yeah, 
cocoa. <laughs> I mean, what we know, you know, you and I have done some research. What we now know mm. is that it is, it's one of those paintings which is actually um, telling the story. You know, it's, it's visualising a literary story. Yes. In this case, um, Tennyson's 1833 poem, um, which obviously deals with the Lady of Shalott. So, which once again raises more questions than it gives answers. Well, she. So, King Henry, King, not King Arthur, Arthur. King yeah. Arthur's <laughs> brother, um, and in the, the possibly mythical castle or, you know, town of Camelot, which some have thought was Tintagel Cornwall, others have said it's Cardiff, uh, Wales, others have said it's Somerset, others have said Winchester. Anyway. Right. Yeah, could be anywhere. We know we know it was King Arthur and he had his round table and he had his knights. So yes. Lancelot being one of them and um, Galahad was another, wasn't yeah, it? And, well, yes, yes. And who and his wife was... Uh, Guinevere. Guinevere, so... Um, now, this depicts the scene where, mm. and, and Tennyson's poem um, tells this story. So this woman is condemned to live in, or cursed, really, to live in a tower, mm. which I think in the poem is described as being four-walled and grey. And she's not able to leave the tower or look out of the window. What she does have, she was very cruel, is that big round mirror that mm. you can see at the back of the painting. That's not a window, it's a mirror. And I suspect if we looked carefully, I'd imagine Holman Hunt has been a bit smart and kind of made it slightly distorted to reflect one of those kind of mirrors, round mirrors. Anyway, um, now she's only allowed to look outside through this mirror Seems harsh. I mean, I don't know what the difference is. We're looking out the real window, which is obviously where we're, we, the audience, in yeah. theory, standing so, where the window yeah. is. I mean, clearly it's impossible, but anyway. Um, and in the mirror, she sees Sir Lancelot. Now, Sir Lancelot, you can see on the horse. If I don't know whether he knows that the Lady of Shalott's in there, but he's, uh, you know, he's he's uh, obviously come by. He's got his two... two uh, buglers or trumpeters kind of saying, hey, here I am. And he seems to be doing a nice little 360 turn and he's got <laughs> his sword out and, you know, and she can't help herself but look out of the window. Uh, at which point she um, uh, decides to leave the tower and make her way to Camelot, presumably because she thinks that's where he's going, I guess. Yeah. But... Um, because of the curse, she dies en route. So she, from this picture here, she doesn't have long to live. I have to say, everyone knows me, so I'm not, uh, I'm not, so I'm not, there's no surprise. Didn't know the painting. I never really uh, looked at a Tennyson poem at all. Obviously, I know him, which is handy. But uh, the poem, if people do get time, is actually really lovely. Mm, is it? And, um, and uh, well, yeah, understandable. Yeah. Because I, I understood it all. 
as well. I understood okay. what he was writing. I watched a little video which was actually lice. It was like a performance piece of exactly what was going on. So is the whole poem mm. just about this one event? Yeah. Uh, okay. And how she's cursed into the tower mm. and um, to, to do this weaving. I don't know whether she was to do the weaving, but what she was doing, she had weaving. Well, you can and see then, the tapestry yeah. she's doing mm. there, can't you? And then, uh, yeah, and if she looks out of the window, the curse, well... That's when she finds out what the curse is. Mm. She realises the, the mirror cracks and then that's the curse is she wasn't meant to look out of the window. Oh, she didn't know until that point? No. Oh. And then she and then she realises that... Like, well, she must have known because she's halfway through. She's, she's done a lot of that. No, it kind of... Anyway, okay. Maybe, it actually, does. I'll tell you what. It probably doesn't. Because people are great for doing this. They could write in the comments if she knew or not. All There's right. so many questions. So many questions is, well, why was she cursed in the first place? Who is she? Is she the lady of the lake? And and things like that. So There are, there are four lines that I did note down. Okay, good. Out flew the web and floated wide. The mirror cracks from side to side. The curse has come upon me cried the Lady of Shalott. Maybe we should do a reading one day. Uh, That'd be good. But it was really lovely to read it mm. and understand it. Well, great. There's, there's a few poems, I'll be honest with you, I'll be like, well, I'm, I'm completely mm. lost, mm. I haven't mm. got a clue. But this was really lovely and I thought the painting itself was really quite something. So it'd be interesting, to, I wonder whether when Holman Hunt painted this, because you've always got to think about, as I've said before, there's always three elements to a painting. There's the subject matter, there's the artist, and there's the viewer. Mm. So I wonder whether Holman Hunt thought at that time that his audience would know the work of Tennyson. I mean, we could probably, if I was an artist, I would probably be quite comfortable uh, painting something from Hamlet or Macbeth and think actually most of my audience would recognise the three <laughs> witches or yeah. laities. And how, mm. um, now, maybe for many of us now, Tennyson seems quite distant, but um, at the time of doing this painting, which was between 1886 and 1905, it's, I mean, it's 50, 60 years since Tennyson, but maybe they were taught Tennyson at grammar schools and, you know... Um, but I think it was one of their values, wasn't it, for the pre-Raphaelite brothers, brotherhood. It was attention to detail. Yeah. Masses of detail. Yeah. Well, clearly brilliant colours, yeah. which, yes. And then rendition of literary subjects. Yeah, well, it's ticking all those boxes, isn't it? So, yeah. And also, when, I mean, no, I mean, he wrote that, I don't know, Tennyson. I mean, it, to me, it's almost like it's it's... I'm surrounded by paper. I mean, it would make a wonderful jigsaw, <laughs> wouldn't it? I oh, mean, yeah, it would be brilliant. <laughs> because it's like, I wonder where that... Where does Better that, than the baked bean one. Where does that ball of yarn go? And, <laughs> but it's almost... I'm also... I mean, you look at a Caravaggio painting, then there's so much so much going on. There's so many levels, and, and that often is the case with paintings. But this one, it's just so full. Mm. And you kind of feel like you want to know... You just have to have so many. You need almost like you need like a book explaining mm. the shoes. Why do the shoes look like that? And they're made of. They seem to be made of wood. And the, why is she not wearing them? And what's what does the why is she entwined? And do the colours have a significance? And why is he picking fruit? And uh, well, you know the, was, the tapestry is obviously the Holy Grail, but yeah. who's carrying it? Mm -hmm. and, 
And then on the left, you've got, I guess it's Mary and Jesus. And there's lots of iconography in that. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being unfair to suggest it makes me work too hard. Yeah. On the other hand... I don't know, I feel I'm, I'm the other way this week on this. No, good. I've loved the work. Good. Because I was, I think I was saying, and I was looking at it because he's, he was quite a religious man. Hunt. Was he? Mm. Oh, okay. So there's, they're saying there's a bit of Christian symbolism in a minute. Well, yeah. With the shoes off. That in the Bible, when people walked on holy ground, they would walk with bare feet. Okay. Well, still have that today, don't you? Mm. Mosques and yeah. things like that. And then the irises. Uh, now I've got to find my piece. Oh, here we are. Two purple irises associated with faith, hope and wisdom. Hmm. And then I think what I said to you, well, then you could start looking at the painting as a woman. Maybe she was felt trapped, completely off subject mm, now, that mm. then if women do something a little bit rebellious, mm. do they then get what they want? Mm, not necessarily, because she ended up I think dying. So I think the whole story about the woman in a tower mm. uh, is actually something that needs to be explored. Mm. Um, and maybe that's more about Tennyson than about the painting. But still, he's, he, Holman Hunt's chosen to paint it. This... Yeah, Rapunzel stuck in a tower, yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing down her hair to, mm-hmm. to to try and escape. So here's a woman that's trapped in a tower, and at the moment of release, she dies. Yes. So what what is all that about? And well, maybe people did. Maybe people, women did feel quite trapped at the time. You know, Victorian. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. I'm assuming. I wonder whether there's something about. But the Holman Hunt is actually passing comment on creativity in some way. I mean, she is trying to create a beautiful circular tapestry. You can see, yeah, you know, that's that thing around her legs is is on is this, is is what the tapestry has been stretched on. Yeah. Let's assume it's going to be a very beautiful work, and she's been distracted from her creativity in this case by a man, but but whatever. And the, it seems to me that the distraction has immediately caused her to get entangled and everything's now a mess. And uh, and then we know the story, which is that she then, the mirror cracks. Is that the cracking mirror, by the way, at the back? Is that yeah. the crack? Oh, okay, so that's the cracked mirror. And then she goes outside and immediately she dies, um, which is... Harsh, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I wonder whether that's, he, he, I mean, maybe we're seeking me, meaning where it didn't doesn't exist, but I wonder whether he's making some reference to, to you know, just, just let us be artists and don't distract us with what's outside. Our gilded protective towers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, we're getting deep now. I don't know. But I, mean, I mean, like this, it. This, um, <laughs> I know a little bit about the history of this painting, which is quite funny, which is um, he was, it wasn't his idea to paint it. He was prompted by another artist called Thomas Creswick or Creswick. And Creswick said, I want you to do me, uh, I'll I'll commission you to do a painting. And he gave him two or three ideas, including basing it on a poem of Tennyson. So Holman Hunt went off and did some preparatory drawings, some sketches. And he went back to see this guy, Creswick, 
And because uh, he looked at the sketches and said, I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I never, I, I, I never suggested you did anything for me, and certainly, not, right. certainly not like this. Um, and he said, and to be honest, if this is the standard of your work, I don't want to ever, I don't want anything of yours ever. So it was, <laughs> that's brilliant. It's quite a knockback, really, for poor old Hunt. Yeah. Um, luckily, somebody else came along and said, "No, no, you, you crack on. I'll, I'll." But it was, it was, you know, he was, he was seeking a commission for it. He might not have felt good about himself after that. Well, that's quite. Yeah. It'd be like me going to a commissioning editor and and them saying, "Yeah, well, we'd be quite interested in a, you know, a film about Georgia O'Keeffe." And I go away and come back with development ideas and <laughs> maybe a trailer, and they say, "No, pff, joking. Yeah. Never. We never. We never suggested that <laughs> at all. Go away." And in fact, them never come back on the basis of that trailer. We never want to work with you. No. No. That. Yeah. That. No. Quite hard to bounce back from. Yeah, that. No, you, no, definitely. Yeah. But I've lost my confidence already. But this was Just this was. About it. <laughs> but I mean, he, he he does. You know, this is something that it was popular because you were mentioning that somebody else had. Um, yeah, I was just looking. There. Painted this too. John William Waterhouse, and he's done three, so mm. he's really taken the poem. But he's one is the most famous one of the lady of the shallot in the boat at the end. Okay. Which when that did come up, I had seen that before. Yeah. yeah. Once again, I didn't know the story at all. And actually, I think if I had walked past this painting and not known now Tennyson's poem and even just a little bit of it, even when we talked earlier, I was just like, well, this is really lovely, Phil. I'm I'm in uncharted territory here. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really nice. I really enjoyed sitting there yesterday looking at this, at the painting, looking at the poem, I've never, never looked I mean, at it at all. I mean, if you look at the individual elements of it, it is actually pretty, pretty impressive. I it's mean, the it's gorgeous. The um, there's probably a technical term for yeah. that kind of water. I know, I've got my eye on that silver um, but, water dispenser. Why are we looking at that water dispenser? It's not your average one, is it? You haven't got no. one of those in your office, have no. you? It's a shame. We don't. Look at those lovely birds. What are they doing then? The gold, the sort of gold. Well, again, there's something about. I, I mean, birds I are no, normally a sense of freedom. No. So maybe this is the the moment she's she's got oh, a moment yes. of freedom. And they're heading towards the window because you can see yeah. the light of the window. Okay. They've probably come in to have some of that water. I've not. I didn't even notice the birds until we were sitting here now. But they're. Um, and I do love her hair, sort of floating upwards, towards what looks mm. like another window at the top. Yeah. It is. I find her left hand a bit odd. It's almost back to front. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's almost completely twisted, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, really. Yeah, I mean, no, it I, is. I guess the idea is she's trying to yeah. free herself of the twine. Mm. And then the top, you know, what she's wearing. Yeah, it's a bit. It almost feels like it's somehow supposed to be reflecting nature in some way. Yeah. It feels like she's, feels like a hedge. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, That's why we're not uh, fashion critics. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's like a hedge. But it's quite. Um, it's, it's quite. A... It's, it's 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 bold. It's a bold choice. <laughs> I love it. Seems she's living on her own. Yeah, <laughs> she's probably embellished it. But I mean, you know, the sleeves are brilliant. I love it. I I really love this painting. The light on the um, the light on the mm. the dress is very nice. Actually, I like the. Um, I do like the again. I'm sure there's a technical term for the for the you know the, we, the, well, the loom. 
Well, the circular. F- yeah. yeah. I've never seen one like that, though. No. But actually, even then, by the back of her sort of feet, those three, obviously, mm. they're bits of yarn again. Mm-hmm. But the colours are slightly, they're not really, they don't really fit in, do they? But they still look great. Mm. They almost look wrong, those colours. Well, I, I really, yeah. This one, this one was, uh, <laughs> we're on a different level now, Phil. We really are. But I think everyone should also look, I think they'd like to look at uh, John William Waterhouse's versions. Mm. There's another one, identical, the scene's identical. So I don't know if people would compare them and say which one they would prefer. Yeah. But... Uh, his painting was slightly more duller, I think, in the colours. I mean, the pre-Raphaelites are very popular. I did go to an exhibition. Um, where was that? It was a pre-Raphaelite exhibition. Um, must have been Tate Britain, I guess. Right. I can't remember. And um, only two, three years ago. Mm. Um, it was absolutely packed. Was it? Absolutely packed. And it was about, there was a lot of emphasis on who the models were and the relationship between the models and the artists. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like... there's something, there's obviously something about the pre Aphrodites that does really appeal. Yeah. Um, well, it's, a, it, who... I mean, it, it's definitely, it is, I mean, as I say, I'm not, I'm not changing my opinion, but it's certainly a painting that, that, justifies uh, you know getting over what for some of us or for me might be a slight reluctance to engage with it because it seems so complicated and i don't know the clues but then that's often the way with with religious paintings Mm. well that's where i always get a bit you know i just would be disappointed if i'd have just stood in front of it gone oh yeah lovely Mm. nice dress uh like the tea urn and off I went and did not. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and didn't then yeah. know what. And I hope I can retain all this information to talk about pre Raphaelite brotherhood and things like that mm. and Alfred Lord Tennyson because well, I then, feel a little bit more knowledgeable today than I did yesterday. Well, then that comes, nice. but that comes back to then the question about whether you can truly appreciate this painting without knowing what the symbolism is, what mm. the story is. Um, I think you would, you could appreciate it, but I think you would be more fulfilled yeah. because you know the rest of it. Yeah. It was so lovely to learn to do that poem. I mean, there is a, a reaction to colour, isn't there? Mm. That, that um, I had a very interesting conversation actually earlier on today about colour with somebody who was talking about how they'd had a conversation <laughs> with an artist um, about the weight of colour. Oh. And that was quite interesting. He was saying that, um, for example, if you think about a Mondrian and you've got a red and a blue to one side and the other side you might have yellows, but the red and blue might only be one third of the frame and the, the other two thirds of the, of the picture frame are yellow, predominantly, predominantly yellow. And the suggestion being that blue and red weigh more than yellow. Oh, I love that. So, you know, 
people might be raising their eyebrows and thinking, what on earth is he talking about? <laughs> but this idea that, yeah, that, that like it... colour has, it's not, it's not equal. Mm. Um, I think also... That's a great conversation. It's often, you know that trick that you can play with the eye where you it might just be black and white, but you look at something and it immediately looks like, say, the silhouette of a person. Mm. But yeah. actually, when you're told it's actually a vase, but the vase is the white... Oh, yeah. You thought the black was mm -hmm. the subject being... Yeah. Anyway, it's the same, thing with, same thing with colour. I mean, it is amazing. We look at this and we immediately recognise everything as, you know, human form with the dress and the twine and the this and the that. It's just a flat canvas. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's an amazing trick, visual trick that this guy's paying <laughs> it's off. It's so good. And, of course, the, the, the mirror is giving <laughs> us that real depth into the landscape and the, the river on which she dies, but it's also, again, gives us distance. And it is, it's very accomplished, I mean. I suspect now we, there's going to be loads of paintings that are associated with poems. There must be loads. I mean, I'd never really thought about it before until... Well, the interrelationship between yeah, lit literary stories, yeah, mm. and, and painting... Um, what would be very interesting uh, would be, and I guess if you were making a film and talking about this, is what 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 soundtrack would you put over this? <laughs> now, again, you know, there's an argument. There's an argument to have silence. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I have to take into account as a filmmaker is that it's very hard to achieve silence. I might have silence on the film, but if you're sitting in a cinema... Yeah. It's very unlikely to be silent. So Especially if I'm there. Especially if you're there <laughs> with that huge box of popcorn. <laughs> so that's that's going to destroy any kind of relationship to the painting if mm. somebody's sitting, sitting next to you is eating oh, yeah. crisps. Um, no, I wouldn't do that. But let's imagine, it's, but let's imagine we've, we've decided to put some kind of... Now, you could have natural effects. So you could have... You know, you wouldn't actually hear the sound of a babbling brook. Although, actually, it's, the stream is just outside the window, perhaps. But anyway, you could have the sound of water and birds. Yeah, birds. Um, that's probably the only thing she'd be hearing. I mean, you could you could you could put a horse on, but that would be a maybe a little over the top. Yeah. You could have the trumpeteers. They're obviously making sound. Um, just have sort of medieval music. Or mm. you go. Period, mm. but then the period in theory is the, the, the time of King Arthur, so you know that's a particular type of music. Um, I don't think you'd go contemporary to Howard Hunt. That doesn't really make much sense. I wouldn't. Um, or you go something that's um, very, you know, kind of understated, contemporary to us. Yeah. Um, but the, the 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 choice of music would make a huge, or the, or the soundscape would make a huge, huge difference, difference to how you react to this painting and how long you could look at it for. I would suggest. Well, now um, I, I I love this, and I would be there for a long time. Mm. I'd get an extra cup of tea to go and sit at it, and I really am pleased. Is it Margaret? Yeah, well done, Margaret. Because thank you, Margaret, because I've really enjoyed the last two days doing this. And uh, and that, yeah, waiting for the next dinner party, next quiz questions. <laughs> no one will come round, Laura. They no know. one's going to invite they, anything ever. They know. As soon as you sit down. Oh. Let's say, did you read the Tennyson <laughs> second uh, edition? I'm from, a new woman. 
I do have actually, I actually have got a poetry book on my shelf and I did get it out. So there you go. I've got a poetry book. Well, there you and go. And I do like poetry. But there you are. I never, ever, I, I had no idea. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Have mm. a look at the pre Raphaelites. Um, and uh, obviously, Holman Hunt, this clearly isn't his only work. So have a look at what else he yeah. did. If you fancy it, read the poem by Tennyson. I would also like to um, enjoin you to or encourage you to recommend the podcast, if you like, to others. That would be very nice. Uh, and certainly to sign up to the seventh art productions newsletter where you'll get lots of news and information about all the sorts of things we're up to including the forthcoming exhibition on screen films and by all means visit the shop and uh plenty of uh, things to stream and download and buy dvds yeah. and all the rest of it and fridge magnets <laughs> can i just say if anyone's uh, if anyone's at a loss <laughs> Preparing, <laughs> preparing for next Christmas already. Get in there early. Yes. Fridge magnets. Yeah. Holman Hunt's not one of them, I have to say, but they're, they're Frida not, Carlo, Michelangelo. Might, you might have to up your game again. Yeah, I know. Maybe maybe do some fridge magnets to do with the podcast, Phil. Maybe we do fridge magnets, <laughs> which are based on actual paintings that have a vegetable <laughs> in the title. <laughs> Or maybe it's a quiz. So we oh, have no. we have a we have oh, a yeah, let's do a quiz. Can't we have an quiz. onion, yeah, <laughs> which has yes. the female thing on it. You know yeah. the uh, and you've got to guess the painting. That'd totally, be, that'd be the Lady of Shalott. That's it. We're done. We're in. I love right. a quiz. Well, we're going to go now. We're going to think yes, about that. <laughs> and um, see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com. See you next time.